The Guardian. Support for this podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy, it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. As the season of literary log rolling draws to its close, we take a satirical look at eight of the year's big books with The Guardian's John Crace and try to digest what they reveal about the state we're in at the end of 2014. Today's digested read is The Zone of Interest, the latest novel from the ever-controversial Martin Amis, which takes him back to the Holocaust for the first time since his Booker shortlisted Time's Arrow in 1991. Her name was Hannah Doll, a walking, talking, living doll, the wife of the cat set commandant Paul Doll. My name is Golo Thompson, I said. Could you spare me an hour to help me choose some drapes? It seemed worth asking. She didn't appear to love her husband. It was March 1942, springtime for Hitler and Germany. Deutschland is happy and gay. I took an aspirin. This protective custody business is very demanding. A new day, a new directive to save money. The Chew is seriously depleting the Reich's resources by insisting on travelling in ever greater numbers by train. We're marching to a faster pace. Watch out for the master race. I'm growing suspicious of Thompson. Though I am convinced he is a practising homosexualist, he is showing an interest in Hannah. I shall need to watch him. Hannah, of course, has withdrawn from all sexual activity with me for over a year. I don't miss her arschen, but Reichsheidbord Hardkamp would be perturbed if he knew. I take my congress elsewhere. Who could resist a fondle with a shepherdess in a dirndl? I am Paul I am perfectly normal. My name is Smool, Sonder Kommandor Führer, the saddest and most disgusting of men. My work is done among the dead, encouraging new arrivals from the trains and then disposing of them. How can I do this to my people? Someone has to. Sometimes being alive is harder than being dead. I have two black eyes today. Bodan hit me accidentally with a spade. Bodan doesn't know it, but he won't live out the day. Heil wo can raise your hand, there is no greater leader in the land. Hannah is becoming more problematic. She was in love with the communist Dieter Kruger in the 1920s. I put an end to that by having him arrested and after a few preludial difficulties she became my wife and we had twins, Sibyl and Paulette. Now though, I sense she is trying to discover what happened to that Judeo-Bolshevik Kruger. The timing could not be worse. I have so much to do and the latest consignment of Zyklon B is late arriving and the stench from the Kremers is nauseating. 
The Jew really is making life difficult. Thankfully, we are about to defeat the Russians on the Eastern Front. Let's make a great big triumphant show and make the Ruskies Siegheil in the snow. Hannah has asked me to find out whether Kruger is still alive. I've told her my uncle Martin Bormann may be able to help and I've promised to ask him when I visit Munich on leave. It would be good to get away from this place. It's getting me down too many long faces. I prefer to just think about Hannah's body. I like an Aryan flusen mit a normal-sized busen. I'm not sure she's going to put out for me, though. I'm going to shoot you in the head on Walpurgisnacht, Smul, Commandant Doll told me. It's a commemoration of the 14 loyal Nazis who died in the early years of the Reich. First, though, I want you to kill my wife. My humanity has been established in my time of death. Hannah walks into my study. She is wearing nothing but high heels. Her decadence is a disgrace. She thrusts her bushen into my face, then laughs. You're finished. We're all finished, she says. We are losing the war. I inform her she couldn't be more wrong. Russia, 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 step on her face and crush her. We are ridding the world of more Jews and eventually the rest of the world will be grateful. We will definitely get to keep Poland and Austria at the very least. Job done. Now I need to deal with another problem. The degenerate Alice, who relieves a little of my tension from time to time, is pregnant. I have paid 800 Davidovs for a Jewish doctor to do a termination. Perhaps I should terminate her, too. Get on your bike. Come join the Reich. Kruger is a long story, said Uncle Martin. I will tell you it one day. Get one with it, Uncle Martin. I wish you'd stop that farting around. Aftermath. Berlin, 1948. Paul is dead. Zmul is dead. We are the living dead. Condemned not to be able to forget nor quite remember. Thompson meets me. You really were a hottie. I really loved your body. You know what the war was really like, I said. It was just a musical. Digested read, digested. Guys and dolls. Lindsay Irving reading John Crace's digested version of Martin Amis's The Zone of Interest. With me to discuss it now in the studio is John himself, along with the critic Alex Clark. Very broad grins around this table, aren't there? Well, it is a comedy. I mean, Amos has recast the story of Auschwitz as a sort of office comedy. And that was a very fittingly comical reading. It's not the first time he's pulled these stunts with the Holocaust, is it? He did Time's Arrow, well, which Time's went Arrow, backwards. A narrative told backwards, although in a very different vein, a very different tone. I mean, this really is, as I said, it's a comedy. It's a sort of office comedy. It's about um, these people who have sort of been deputed to the further reaches of the Reich to basically carry out Hitler's plan and are sort of jockeying for position like the under-labourers in any large corporation. John, he's almost beyond parody, isn't he, Martin Amis? I mean, I should declare an interest that I have found a lot of his recent books absolutely excruciating. But I, I found this one surprisingly readable because, I mean, Alex is absolutely right. It is a comedy, but it's almost like a cartoon version of sort of Hannah Arendt's banality of evil. Mm. 
And I think it has some kind of value. It's not Martin Amis trying to recreate himself as the sort of Tyro of the youth and sort of continually trying to rewrite success into his 60s. In a way, although it's sort of a comic novel, it is probably his most serious novel for a while. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think when I say comic, I don't think it's lighthearted in any way. And I think that third voice, the voice of Schmuel that we heard there, um, the Sonder Commander, the Jew who is made to contribute to the death of other Jews is the sort of underpinning of the novel and the sort of counterpoint to these kind of ridiculously farcical, sex-obsessed, power-obsessed narratives that sort of overlay it. Martin Amis had huge success very early on in his career with novels like Money and London Fields. That's in, in the 1980s. And, and he's become almost a bit of a laughingstock since then, I, while also being tape, taken extremely seriously. And the reason we've included this novel among our eight digested reads of the year is because we do rate him. Uh, yes, well, we do rate him. I mean, I rate him. I loved this book. but And I think the sort of continuing saga of Little Keith of Martin is just sort of one long kind of in-joke of the literary establishment in a way. I kind of think it's because we hated somebody who would write so openly about sex and enjoying sex and with so little embarrassment. I also think there's a sort of class element to it. I think we don't like people who don't care what we think about them. And I think he was sort of in many ways a brilliant, easy, soap opera-ish target. John, he's one of a generation who've all published novels this year, so we've had, and and a friendship group, we've had Ian McEwan, Peter Carey. How does he rate in relation to his generation, do you think? I don't think he's as lasted as well. I think when he was young, he was very, very good, and I think that that does sometimes get lost now, as he steadily becomes more and more sidelined by a group of younger readers who don't quite understand why he gets the acclaim. But I think Success was a great novel and, you know, it deserved that. And I think that is almost his tragedy, is that he had too much success too young and he never learned how to grow up with it and still tried to carry on writing as a sort of angry person in his 30s when he was in his 60s, and that's sort of ludicrous, really. I guess you might say that had changed with this book, though, mightn't you? Absolutely. This is a real sort of change of direction. Yeah, and I was delighted. I mean, it's still very easy to parody and it's fun to work with because, you know, Martin Amis is a kind of unique stylist. He has a style of his own, which it's easy to capture, even when he's sort of writing in a more kind of serious way. Well, I think he still is a stadium star, isn't he? He's a sort of rock star of of British fiction. You know, he commands a huge space and with young people, Alex, doesn't he? I don't know actually about the younger generation. I'm not sure if they would have that kind of familiarity with him that people in their sort of 40s and above would have. Um, People who read money when they were in their 20s like me uh, and just were kind of absolutely blown away by you know what's known as his sort of pyrotechnicals and sort of essentially incredibly irreverent style I don't know well buy it read it and make up your own mind the zone of interest is published by Jonathan Cape and our thanks to Lindsay Irvin Alex Clark and the inimitable John Crace For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.